0: Hello, listeners. Welcome to Season 5 of The Cozy Corner with Alexia Gordon, part of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. I'm Alexia Gordon, award-winning author and host of the show. Every other Thursday, I chat with an author writing on the not-so-gritty end of the crime fiction spectrum. If you prefer your mystery without hardcore sex and violence, join us in The Cozy Corner. Welcome, Welcome, listeners, to another episode of the Cozy Corner with Alexia Gordon. I'm Alexia Gordon, author and host of the podcast. My guest today is Heather Widener, author of the Jules Keen Glamping Mysteries. Here to chat about vintage trailers and blackmailers. Welcome, Heather.
1: Thank you so much for having me here.
0: Vintage Trailers and Blackmailers is the first Jules Keen Glamping Mystery. Please introduce us to your sleuth and tell us what's going on in your story.
1: Oh, sure. Jules runs the Fern Valley Camping Resort, which is set in the Blue Ridge Mountains of Virginia, and it's always been hanging on by a thread. So in the last few years, she and her father restored a lot of vintage trailers. They saved them from the scrap heap. And they upscaled them and they created this glamping experience for her guests and so there's a lot of posh amenities fancy decorations she themes each trailer and then by the end of the book her maintenance man makes a deal with her and he starts to add tiny houses to the to the collection so it's an experience for campers who like the outdoors and want to visit but may not want to rough it or actually stay in the tent. <laughs> that's that's what glamping is,
0: right? It's it's a, sort of a lu- luxury camping, uh, a little, you know, a, a step up from the uh, backpack and tent in the woods
1: kind of thing. Exactly. The glamorous camping and and some of them are very glamorous. I mean they she offers package deals too, like some of the real ones where it's you know champagne breakfasts and brunches and gourmet meals and things like that. So it's it's nothing like the camping we did when I was little.
0: No, no, no hot dogs on a stick over an open fire.
1: <laughs> no. Or putting your food up in a tree so the bear doesn't get it. <laughs> have have you ever been lamping? No, I haven't actually. My husband goes on these fabulous fishing trips every year. And it's always roughing it in the woods with a tent or a camper or something like that. And my rules are it has to have a bathroom and it has to have a locked door. So I don't usually go on this. So I use those as writing weeks when he does go on this. But I have been doing so much research and I found all of these fabulous places on the East Coast and the West Coast that that feature glamping. And some of them are yurts and some of them are tiny houses. And there's even a couple of places here in Virginia that have tree houses. So let kind of me get house. out of this. Wouldn't it be fun? I just think that would just be such a great trip. We're still in the throes of the pandemic and the plague here. So I will be so glad when we can get out and travel again.
0: Well, fortunately we have books in the meantime to, to let us uh, travel from our armchairs or couches or beds or wherever we like to read. Exactly. Exactly. Now, how, how did you choose vintage trailers and tiny houses as, as accommodations at your, your sluice glamping resort, as opposed to say a yurt or a tree house?
1: I needed her to have a career where she could sleuth and she could poke around in the sheriff's investigations, but she couldn't have a business that she couldn't leave or she couldn't be something where she had someone actually depending on her for a livelihood. So she's got a staff and she gets to pretty much set her own hours since she lives at the resort my husband does a lot of restoration of old cars rebuilding he's done some campers he's done some boats and so there's always some kind of project going on around here and we we watch a lot of hgtv and youtube and there was actually a couple out of california that took old airstreams and they Made them more modern and to appeal to modern campers. And that gave me the idea. I thought, ah, oh, she could just take a traditional campground and then make it more modern and more interesting. And then that way she can attract groups like crafters or writing retreats or wine tastings. So there's always something going on at her resort. And I can always bring in a lot of different outsiders because when you start killing off people in the little town, you sort of lose the population sometimes.
0: Yes, this is true. What do they call it? Cabot Cove Syndrome or, or Mids- Midsummer Murder Syndrome? I think someone calculated Midsummer Murder, Midsummer County has a, a murder rate that's higher than most big cities.
1: Isn't that funny? And I thought the same of Father Brown. I'm like, oh, it's the stranger. That's the one that's going to die. <laughs> but it is true. It is. I'll have but to there. keep a tally. <laughs> <laughs> but
0: you, I mean, you, you've come up with a, a creative way to sort of uh, get, get around that right? by having uh, people come you know, from all over, come to then be in uh, a, a limited space, you know, perhaps in the next trailer over for, from someone who's either a complete stranger or someone who they wish was a complete stranger. Um, and I did. I checked before before our interview started. Hashtag vintage trailer has over 150,000 Instagram posts. So, what do you think makes makes the idea of of being in a vintage trailer so appealing to people? I
1: think there's that nostalgia. I mean, my aunt and uncle owned a campground back in the 70s, and it was magical, and we went up into the mountains, because I had never slept in a trailer or been outside or done any, well, actually, I learned how to play pinball there, too, so that that kind of dates me, but <laughs> um, it, it, there's just this mystique of this was the time when, you know, Post-World War II, when people were traveling and they were getting out and used to be interstate and cars and campers and some of these vintage trailers, they decorate the car and the trailer and they're themed. And I ran across several recently where they they are writing retreats for people. They put them in their backyard and it's their office. And I thought, oh, that is so cool. I don't know if our homeowners association would let me do that, but that would be so much fun to have one that was kind of themed from the 1950s or 60s and and i do have a good time when i do research the campers and the trailers to find things that happened in those years we've got one that's decorated for elvis and we've got a beatles one Um, there's one for lucy and desi for the long long trailer and the movie that they were in in the 50s sounds like fun (laughs) that part is fun i like the pop culture and I have the area fifty one, so the geek comes out a little bit. <laughs> People
0: go into the area fifty one trailer and and disappear, never come out.
1: Not thought of that, but that's a good idea. Or maybe something <laughs> happens.
0: You've, you've you've combined sort of the the cozy. Cottagecore aesthetic of vintage campers and glamping, with something a little more ominous and frightening and high tech, meaning the world of the dark web. Uh, you know, researching campers on Instagram sounds like more fun than researching the the dark web, which can be kind of scary. So, what was sort of your inspiration for putting that in your cozy, and how did you balance the the more pleasant parts with the creepy part?
1: Yeah, I like the the pleasant parts, the pop culture, the history, and the travel, and the glamping. I mean, that's all very exciting, and I can get lost in that for days. Uh, My day gig is an IT manager, and pre-plague, I would hang out with a lot of the security engineers. I I do quality assurance and governance, but uh, we work closely with all the areas, and they always had really good stories about hackers and people that were trying to get information and ways of... Coercing people to get passwords and clickable links and things like that. So they there are a wealth of information, and that's kind of what started the idea of this one. And it was uh, Vice President Dick Cheney had a pacemaker put in, and they were talking about the Bluetooth, Bluetooth capabilities, and how great it was that the device could talk to the doctor and provide statistics and things like that. But then it also became a huge internet um, security issue that you know. You can control things or someone could hack it or change it or do something to it. And that just got me thinking about what else could go on in the dark web? And how could this little bucolic sweet town be part of that? And not necessarily part of it, but it is the world around them. And there are factions in this little town that don't want to change. They wanted to stay like 1950 or 1960. And that's always a rub with her trying to bring in new ideas and new you know, new computer systems or cameras or anything that's that, that would touch sort of the modern world. You
0: find that the contrast between this this bucolic town and the the Blue Ridge, with the, sort of a, a nostalgic vibe, uh, juxtaposing that against the the dark, scary, ultra modern dark web, did did that help you create tension in the story? I
1: think it does. And it gives, you know, some real world realism. And some, I mean, there's some really scary, dangerous things out there. My, my big soapbox is don't click on links because we have people that just click on anything. And it's like, if it looks funny, it smells funny. Don't click on it. Just delete it. (laughs) Don't put yourself in danger. And so that's a, a real world, scary Techie kind of thing, but there are other things that are in Fern Valley too. I mean, there's we've got some blackmailers, we've got some a murderer running around. And in book two, it's called Film Cruise and Rendezvous, a love channel um, sort of like a Netflix knockoff or something like that comes to town and they're going to do some filming and all kinds of chaos breaks loose. So everybody is crazy and wants to be an extra and see the stars. And then all of a sudden something happens. So it's, there's always something going on in Fern Valley. <laughs> and
0: being in the, the Blue Ridge mountains, that's, that's actually not surprising because Virginia's Blue Ridge is actually a very cinematic uh, location. So for, for, Folks who haven't been there or are not familiar with it, perhaps, what's the area like and what makes it an ideal setting for a cozy series?
1: Uh, Virginia, I think, is wonderful. I write where I know. I've lived in Virginia all my life and we're in Richmond now, but I did grow up in Virginia Beach. In the center of the state, we're two hours from the mountains, hour from the mountains, we're two hours from Washington, we're two hours from the beach. There's some really wonderful art places, museums, histories, and there's a huge foodie um, movement that's going on, especially here in Richmond. I mean, it's it's just taken over with a lot of these famous chefs and their proteges. So there's really a lot to do. And the mountains and the scenery are beautiful. I mean, we have mountains and water. Now, again, they're not like the Rockies or the Alps, but they are beautiful. And if you've ever seen them, they do have this bluish green hue to them. And when the leaves change, it's just, just magnificent. So it provides a good backdrop. And there are a lot of little strange places around. There are things that people have rumors about paranormal, their history, things that took place here, famous historic women and things that they have done, um, art, and creativity. So th- there's a lot There's a lot going on in Virginia, which I think it's fabulous. And she can jump in a car and be in North Carolina or Tennessee or Pennsylvania or New York pretty quickly.
0: I, I myself have been to the Blue Ridge Mountains and I do agree with you about how beautiful they are, particularly in the fall. I have to admit, I have also been on the Blue Ridge parkway at night not by planning <laughs> it wasn't my intent but I was there at night and it was not quite as charming as it was in the daytime I I uh, could uh, uh, I made sure my doors were locked and my windows were up so
1: there's some spooky places and then there's some ravines and some animals I mean they have some bobcats and there have been some cougar sightings I don't know if those are true or not but we have bears and, um, yeah. so I, I don't know if I'd go wandering off in the dark. <laughs> but uh, I, I,
0: do you find that uh, you, uh, maybe, maybe fun not the word I want to use, but do you, do you find it useful to be able to uh, draw in perhaps some of the less expected uh dark side of such a a beautiful place in your your mysteries? People uh, may not think of, of, uh, you know, bears or cougars or serial killers, but when you are writing a mystery, you do get to think about those those sort of uh, frightening aspects of beautiful places. Do Do you find that's a useful thing?
1: It does give you that edge to it. Otherwise, it's just this perfect little town and everything's sweet and we have daisies and we do. We have all of that and we have good food and we have events, but there's a little bit of mayhem and some murder and there's some dark forces that are out there. I grew up as a CK, which is a cop's kid. And my dad was a police officer for 46 years in Virginia Beach. And I thought everybody talked about murder and crime. And true I mean, we were the true crime family before it was ever popular on TV. And I didn't realize until I got to college that that was not dinner conversation. So (laughs) there's always been that (laughs) that element in our house. It, did you get
0: some strange reactions from friends' parents if they invited you over for dinner?
1: <laughs> or friends. I was like, your family is so cool. We never talk about murder and drug busts and <laughs> you know, stupid criminals and things like that. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, it was interesting growing up. I mean, one of my first jobs at about four was to pick up the shell casings on the range when you finished practicing. Wow. And so. Had a police dog and you know, things like
0: that. <laughs> so are you able to work any of your uh, childhood experiences or, or, or stories that you heard as, as a child into your, your current writing?
1: I try to. Someone said that I should think about doing something like a 70s kid, like uh, sort of the wonder years with a cop's kid. Because back then, we didn't have cell phones. And he would be called out in the middle of the night, especially when he was on these drug teams or these SWAT teams and things. And I didn't know and I'd have to go to school the next day and I'd have no updates and didn't know what was going on until you know much later. And it was. I mean, I, you're always you even as a small child, you do have that realism that his job is dangerous and you know, he's there to help people. and they, when he retired, the mayor gave my mother an award for being a cop's wife for 46 years. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought that was nice because it is, it, it takes, you don't have holidays like everybody else does. If there's a snowstorm or a hurricane coming, we don't evacuate because he has to work. Right. So.
0: Yeah. So it seemed an, an essential employee.
1: Exactly. Exactly.
0: So no, I, I, I'm not sure where, I mean, it, it, it would be fascinating to read sort of the the Wonders years with with dead bodies. Oh, um, no. but <laughs> I'm not sure where old. you'd where you'd find time to write it with all of the writing that you're you're already doing. So you write several mystery mystery series, including the Jules King Glamping Mysteries, and you've got a, a the Mermaid Bay Christmas Shop
1: Mysteries coming out next year. Right, they come out next year. So I made up that little town, too. It's set in Virginia. It's a sweet little beach town. But, yeah, there's some stuff that goes on there, too.
0: (laughs) Now, what sets your glamping mysteries apart from your other series?
1: My first series was a P.I., and so that's the um, Delaney Fitzgerald series. And she runs into danger, where if I saw a body, I would probably run the other way and call 911. So she's a little bit more adventurous than I am. And I can push the limits with that so they're a little bit darker. The cozy series has the pet sidekick and the friend sidekick and there are recipes and it's a sweet little town, but like you said there's that undercurrent or that danger is lurking there is there is a sense of danger and. I always look for jobs that I would love to have. And so Christmas is just one of my favorite seasons. And I thought, what would be great to have a Christmas store like in a beach town where all the tourists could come and, you know, it could be Christmas all year, but even though um, there's things going on in the summer tourist season and then things that go on off season. So it's, I have a glamping series and now I have a Christmas store series.
0: Your your series, although they're both set in Virginia, they're set in very different parts of Virginia. People may not realize you know, Virginia, compared to some states, Virginia is on the smaller side. People may mm-hmm. not realize that it's got such a wide range of of geographic differences. So, do you deliberately choose different? parts of Virginia to sort of introduce readers to the, the the wide range of places that Virginia has to offer? Or did it just kind of work out that one was at the beach and one was in the
1: mountains? um uh, sort of both because i do and a lot of the books at the end there's a series uh, uh, like a couple of pages that say these are real because my first series i had farmville which is a place in virginia and it was about the time the game was out so everybody thought it was made up and it was part of the game and i'm like no 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 really there is a farmville virginia <laughs> <laughs> it's a really neat place to visit but so i do want them to see how wonderful the the commonwealth is and all of the the different parts To i mean if, I don't know if your listeners are familiar, but like Northern Virginia is just a metropolis and it's a suburb of Washington and it's creeping closer and closer to us. So I think Fredericksburg is still now considered a suburb of Washington. So that's like 45 minutes from here. And we're the capital, (laughs) but we have mountains and we have beaches. I did put the Mermaid Bay when I made that little beach up and I put it down there in the um, historic triangle of Williamsburg, Jamestown, and Yorktown. And there is a CIA facility down there. So I'm trying to figure out how to work that in somehow.
0: That's also an area that's uh, very well noted for its uh, colonial uh, history. Do you think you might work Mm -hmm. some
1: colonial history into your story? I do. There's a little bit of that. And there's one where some paranormal folks come to town because they're making podcast or a video of some of the sites. So I, I'm going to have the murder is going to take place at a made up place. But the other places are going to be real because there are a lot around there around Williamsburg and Yorktown and Jamestown. And goes back to the colonial era. So I said I'm going to take advantage of some of these local tales and some are documented and some are no, it was somebody walking in the woods and he saw something, but I, I haven't seen it, so I don't know if it's true or not. But it made for an interesting story. <laughs> so, uh, some some guy I
0: know's cousin's brother saw it. So exactly,
1: <laughs> and he might have been drinking. So. Uh. <laughs> Speaking well, of one, we have stills that are back in the well now that it's kind of more popular with people doing their own craft beers and their own wines and things like that but for years there were stills up in the, and that was kind of oh some of the hints to the ghost stories and things it really wasn't a ghost it was they were trying to keep them away from the bootlegging
0: so um, are, are you near charlottesville
1: i'm in richmond so we're about 45 hour 45 minutes from charlottesville
0: it's 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 just interesting that, you know, with in, in less than an hour, um, you know, a couple of hours to get you across the whole state practically. So it's just, it's amazing that, uh, you know, in less than an hour, you could be someplace with a completely different feeling and different experience from from where you are.
1: Oh, exactly. From beach to mountains to, I mean, in what, three hours maybe? So you're right. It's just a whole change of vista and altitude. Your ears will pop or not pop. <laughs> But I think I, I do love that about the East Coast, because you really can go to Philadelphia or New York or Florida or wherever you wanted to go. It doesn't. It's not impossible. And you could be there within a day or two, depending on how fast you drive.
0: Or you can take the Amtrak. Exactly. which would allow you to read one of your books while you were traveling because you should not read and drive. No, um, no. However, if you're on the Acela, that would be uh, just about the time uh, to read one of your books between Virginia and New York. Uh, so so, yes. so where can our, our Amtrak writers and everyone else buy a copy of Vintage Trailers and Blackmailers?
1: Oh, it's available at any of the, your favorite book retailers, your indies, as well as the big folks. And it's ebook and it's also paperback.
0: And and where can readers connect with you to find out more about your glimping series or your Christmas shop series or your uh, private detective or or more about what's uh, what's next for you?
1: I'm at heatherwidener.com and it's Heather Widener together, W-E-I-D-N-E-R.com. And that has links to all the social media sites. So if you have a favorite, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, you can find me on any of those. Perfect.
0: Um, because you can also use uh, uh, Facebook and and Twitter uh, on the train, but it's probably more fun to read a book. So buy buy Heather's book, hop on the train and go visit some sites on the East Coast.
1: And at some point I do want to take the West Coast and there's some really wonderful routes that go all the way to California and back. And I thought, oh, that would be such a great way to see the country. Oh, that's true. It would be.
0: (laughs) So, yes, yeah, so we're putting in a plug for Amtrak. We're, we're not, we, we, don't work, we don't work for Amtrak, but um, no. we, we love we love travel and we love travel, especially when it lets you read books while you're while you're going.
1: And I packed like four or five. And my husband says we're only going for a week. And I, said, I know but I don't want to be without a book.
0: <laughs> well, thank you very much, Heather, for joining me in the corner today.
1: Thank you so much for having me. And I can't wait to read your new things that come out. Oh, thank you. Looking forward to this.
0: And thank you listeners for tuning in to another episode of The Cozy Corner with Alexia Gordon. My guest today was Heather Widener, author of Vintage Trailers and Blackmailers, A Jules Keen Glamping Mystery. I'm Alexia Gordon, your host. Until next time, goodbye. Thank you for listening to The Cozy Corner with Alexia Gordon, part of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. I'm Alexia Gordon, award-winning author and host of the show. Tune in next time for another chat with an author writing on the lighter side of crime. Until then, goodbye.